Thanks for, once again, listening to Thinking Biblically about things that matter. Uh, we are on part two of our series on abortion. Um, and I've been doing a lot of reading about abortion the last few weeks. And one of the things that's difficult for me to, um, to deal with is, is how overwhelming it feels. When we, when we read articles or read stories or we hear news stories about abortion, um, it's easy for us to feel overwhelmed. Um, I'm going to share some numbers with you. Some I, I don't you know you I, I'm not saying these so that you'll memorize all of them. You'll remember all these numbers, but I, I want to share these with you to kind of just. Um, give you an overall sense of, of how big the problem is. And maybe these are numbers you already feel from, you're, you're already familiar with. But um, for instance, in, in 2020, there were 930,160 abortions in the United States. Um, the number of abortions and the rate of abortions had been trending down, but 2020 it spiked back up again. Um, in 2020, there were about one in every five abortions, or one in five pregnancies ended in abortion. So in 2017, it was about 18% of pregnancies ended in abortion. In 2020, it was 20.6% of pregnancies ended in abortion. Also, the the increase in abortion was accompanied by a 6% decline in births. From 2017 to 2020, um, so, so, so really what the, what the patterns show, what the numbers show, is that, the, is that the number of pregnancies are actually going down and the, the number of abortions per pregnancy is going up. So fewer people are getting pregnant, and among those who did, a larger proportion are choosing to have an abortion. Um, I, read a, I read a poll from November of 2021, um, and this is, this is when the, the news first started to cover the idea that perhaps Roe v. Wade might get overturned. So this is when people were starting to think about this and, and talk about Roe v. Wade being overturned because of the because of the um, the current makeup of the Supreme Court. And so this was so people were talking about it and being polled about it. And in November of 2021, there's a poll that said that 60% of Americans 60% of Americans support the Supreme Court upholding Roe v. Wade. Only 27% wanted the abortion precedent overturned. There's a significant, significant majority of, of Americans who oppose state laws that make it harder for abortion clinics to operate. 36% of Americans um, 
only only 36% of Americans wanted restrictions on abortion clinics. 75% of Americans believe that the decision whether a woman can have an abortion should be left to the woman and her doctor. Only 20% say that abortion should be regulated by law. And so, polling like this is difficult to, to know what to do with. Because even, even narrow majorities of Republicans and conservatives say the decision should be between a woman and her doctor. Uh, even, even Americans who self-identify as evangelicals are divided on the question. So, so the polling like this is difficult to know what to do with it. It's, it's difficult to know how to interpret it. But, but what we can be sure of is that the, the people's understanding of it, people's beliefs in it, people's stance on it is, is muddied at best. There's a lot of moral confusion. There's a lot of moral muddiness. Uh, the, when, I can't, when, I, when I look at the numbers... What it seems, what they seem to be saying is that there is a significant number of people. There's probably a, maybe even a slight majority of people in the United States who would say abortion is wrong for them. But they would be okay with, with allowing other people to sort of make the decision for themselves. So, so, so there are a lot of people, who, if you ask them point blank, if you ask them, would, would you ever get an abortion? They would say no. But then if you say, but should other people be able to make the decision for themselves? They would say yes. And then, and so there's this moral muddiness, right? And then, so there's just this moral confusion. It doesn't seem super clear. But then, but then also, just the sheer number of abortions per year, one in five pregnancies. This is, it, it, makes, it makes us feel like little fish in a very big pond, doesn't it? It, it? it makes us wonder, what can we possibly do about an issue this huge? Can we make any difference whatsoever in this? Well, there's a, there's a few things I want to encourage you to do, all right? The first four, I'm going to kind of rattle off pretty quickly. Um, the first four are, you know, probably things that you've already thought about. And I, I'm sure the fifth one you've already thought about as well. But I want to spend some time on this, on this fifth thing that we can do. But the first four um, are pretty straightforward. And... Um, but they're, they're very important. First, we can pray. We can pray. It seems to me very much that the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Wade reminds us that God hears and answers the prayers of his people. So we can pray. We can vote. If you ever would like to talk with me more about that, what it means to sort of vote along pro-life lines, um, what it means to be a, a, a one-issue voter, I'd love to talk to you more about that. The third thing we can do is we can donate to or perhaps even volunteer in some way at our local pregnancy center here in Warsaw. It's heartlinepregnancycenter.org. If you'd like to donate to the good work that they're doing, jump in. 
Just do it. You've got if you if you can and you're able and you're willing um, to to throw a little extra cash their way, it, that's a good use of your money. It's a good use of your time if you if there's ways you can volunteer with them. And then the fourth thing, and maybe this one um, we haven't talked about as much and we haven't thought about as much, but we can look for ways to show kindness to single moms. Are there single moms in your life? Um, the 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 data shows us. Um, that 55% of women who had an abortion were single. 34% were cohabitating. 50% lived below the poverty line. Another 25% were close to it. 60% of women who had an abortion had at least one other child at home already. 43% had attended church at least monthly. 70% had some church affiliation. About 75% claimed that they would like to have carried the baby full term, given birth to the baby, if they thought they could. So you don't need to remember all those numbers. And again, um, if you'd like to, me to send you my notes, just email me, pastorsteveron at gmail.com, and I'll send you these notes. Um, just email me, pastorsteveron, gmail.com. I'll send you my notes, and you can look through them yourself. Um, but what I really just want to point out, um, single moms are the ones who are most prone to get an abortion. And that includes single moms that could very well be in your life right now. So I encourage you in whatever ways you can, be on the lookout for how you can encourage and care for the single moms in your life. And maybe you're even thinking, I'd like to start some kind of ministry here at First Baptist Church that's aimed at, that's aimed directly at helping single moms in our community. Talk to me, talk to Colin about it. We'll, we'll try to support you in whatever way we can. So those are a few important things we can do. Those are the first four things on the list. But here's the fifth thing, and I, I want to spend some time on this one. All right, I want to talk about this for a few minutes here. Here's the fifth thing you can do, and it's a bigger deal than, than maybe you realize, so I really want to encourage you in it, and it's this. Number five, explicitly commit yourself to God's very good design. Explicitly commit yourself to God's very good design. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then down in verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So here's what I want to draw your attention to. God created man and woman in his own image. God told them to be fruitful and multiply. Then God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. So a big part of God's very good design is the way that men and women's bodies were designed. It was, it was this command for them to be fruitful and multiply. So a big part of God's very good design is that women get pregnant and have babies. Women get pregnant and have babies and men don't. This is God's very good design. So do you agree with God that this is fundamentally a very good thing? So what we have to realize is there are ways right from the beginning that women were more tied down to domestic life than men were. Eve could not have the same responsibilities and the same authority and the same freedom that Adam had. 
Adam could not have the opportunity and the responsibility and the honor to carry the baby inside himself and give birth to that baby. God designed it so that if they were going to obey the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, Eve was going to have birthing and nursing responsibilities that were going to dramatically shape her daily life, and Adam wasn't. And according to God, this is a beautiful thing, a very good thing. Women get pregnant, men don't. It's very good, God says. Now, now, what we have to understand, and, and I think we already do understand, sin, sin has clouded our vision. Sin makes it difficult for us to see that God's very good design is truly very good. Because, and there's lots of reasons for this. I'm only going to get into a couple today. So lots of reasons for this, lots of things we could say. But, but let's think about just the fact that pregnancy makes women vulnerable. Uh, by that I mean men can generally enter into sexual relationships with quite a bit less risk than women can. Because pregnancy changes a woman's life in a way it does not change a man's life. And history is full of stories of men taking advantage of this disparity. Men are prone to exploit the biological difference between them and women. Men, and men can hook up with a woman and, and, and if, you know, whenever he wants to, he can kind of just leave. Men can have sex with consequence, without consequences way easier than women can. A pregnancy changes a woman's life in ways that doesn't have to change a man's life. So this is not the, I'm not going to say this is the only or even the primary reason, but it's one of the big reasons that abortion is attractive to many women. They, they feel that it levels the playing field. It, it makes them less vulnerable. It makes sex outside of marriage less risky. Essentially, it gives women the power to be a part of the, the, the hookup culture or, or even to pursue romantic relationships on their own terms without losing their jobs if they're poor or, or slowing down their career trajectory if they're successful. They essentially can be as sexually immoral as men can be and they don't have to deal with the consequences of an unexpected or unwanted pregnancy. So, so instead of, instead of God's good design, which is men, men don't pursue sex unless they're married to the woman, and then they, and then after they have sex with her, uh, and they they have a baby with her, they they commit themselves to loving and raising and caring for that baby and raising that baby with that wife. So, there's no, so, so instead of expecting that men will be faithful and pure and, and love their wives and, and care for their wives and enjoy sex with their wives within this marriage covenant, this marriage commitment, rather than expecting that men will be faithful and engaged and, um, and, and, and present with his family. Instead of that, women have just sort of adopted um, 
men's sexual immorality. They've lowered themselves to to an immoral man's standard. Abortion is a horrific example of the cure being far worse than the sickness. So this is why, as Christians, we must explicitly commit ourselves to God's good design, which means men have to celebrate and model what it looks like to be a faithful and engaged husband and father. This is why Paul commands men men to love their wives in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In Colossians 3, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. He commands the whole church in 1 Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality. Run away from it as if it's trying to catch you and destroy you. Because this is a massive fundamental calling on our lives to faithfully hold up God's very good design. To explicitly commit ourselves to God's very good design. So when we are talking to the young men in our lives, or to anyone for that matter, we don't disparage our wives in any way. We don't joke about dwelling on lustful thoughts in any way. We, we explicitly celebrate the blessing that we get to be faithful to our wife till one of us dies. One of the things I'm trying to work into as many conversations as possible lately is, is this idea that if I, Steve Ron, if I get to the end of my life, and my major accomplishment, my, my major accomplishment is that, is that the woman that I've been married to, for how many ever decades God gives us, the woman I've been married to for all of my adult life, <laughs> if she's thankful for me, if she's proud of me, if she's glad that she married me, if I've been a blessing to her, if, if in her heart she is glad to honor me and to express thankfulness for me, if that's my main accomplishment in my life, it's been a very, very good life. I've been successful. We have to explicitly commit ourselves to God's very good design. Now, we're not responsible for the results. The world around us is flowing hard away from God's good design. We are paddling upstream ferociously because it matters. And we have no idea who God is going to have us help along the way. So, so we're standing in the... You can, you can picture yourself just kind of standing in the middle of a river that's just flowing towards you. You are paddling upstream. You are working upstream. And, and culture, the, 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 the current society is flowing away from God and you are trying to push towards his very good design. You can picture yourself like that. And you don't know who God is, who's God going to allow you to grab as they're flying by, they're floating by. You grab hold of them and you say, no, we're going to go this way. You grab hold of them and you say, we're going to go this way. Can you change hundreds of thousands of people? Can you move the needle in that kind of way? Can you change America? Can you change society? N no, you can't. But can you have humongous impact 
on a few people? Absolutely you can. Absolutely you can. If God allows you to be married, men, then that's one less woman who will ever feel the need to get an abortion. And if God allows you to, to influence five or 10 or 15 young men to pursue beautiful, biblical, long, lifelong marriage, that's, that's, that's several more women who will never be tempted to get an abortion. And if those young men, they grow up and they, and they influence more over the course of their lifetime, then you are becoming the spiritual grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather of men who are standing against the current of the world around them, committing themselves to beautiful, biblical, lifelong marriage. You might not be able to influence thousands of people, but you can have an enormous impact on the people in your life. And this is not only, this not only goes for men, but it goes for women too. Women have to celebrate and model what it looks like to cherish their unique privilege of carrying and giving birth to a baby. Women are not men. So there are some ways which I'm for, where I'm all about equality. Equality is wonderful. A woman who is a manager at Meyer or a teacher at Warsaw High School should be on the same exact pay scale as her male counterparts. She should have the same benefits they have. So equality in some ways is great. It makes perfect sense. Yes, go for it. But then here's where equality goes off the rails. And that's when we create a standard of success for women that is incompatible with having babies. If you are a woman, then being a mother is a fundamental part of God's very good design for you. And, And so if we decide that success in any kind of workplace is the most important way to evaluate who you are as a person, then we're going to end up doing something truly terrible. I mean, if we decide that promotions or accolades or pay raises are the most important way to evaluate who a woman is as a person, then we will end up doing something truly terrible. We will end up pitting a woman's value against the existence of her children. We're, we end up pitting a, a man, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, pitting a mom against her child. So as Christian women, you must explicitly commit yourself to God's very good design. And of course, this is going to look very different in different situations, right? So some, so some, some women, are, they never marry. They're, they're, they're single and they, God never allows them to, to marry, to have children. That's not God's good plan for their life. So sometimes um, families are not able to have children. Some families have many, many children. Some families have one or two. Um, and so this looks different in all kinds of different situations. But, but one thing has to be worked deep into the heart of a woman is that if God allows you to have children, then you're going to do all that you can to work your life around being that little one's mom. And you're going to rejoice in it. And you're going to encourage the young women in your life to see that they are unique. They are not men. They have a privilege that men don't have, which is the privilege to bear children. And it doesn't matter if the world thinks this is an honor. It is an honor because God says it is. And of course, we're not saying that women can't work outside the home or anything like that. We're we're simply saying, if God allows you to have children, then you're going to do all that you can to work your life around being that little one's mom. And you're going to hold fast and you're going to believe and you're going to celebrate that that is success 
That's an honor. We don't, we don't have to always measure ourselves by, by how much money we make or, or how many people we're, we, we, we are in charge of or, 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 or what our career traje trajectory is looking like or how quickly we're rising the, the, um, the corporate ladder. We, we, have to, like, we, we, we have to think biblically about what success means, about what being a, being an, uh, a living an honorable life means. So we have to stand against popular opinion. And though, just like with men, perhaps you'll be able to have lasting influence simply by loving God's very good design and encouraging other women to do the same. And we may not have a huge following. We not, may not be able to sway the opinions of millions of people, but we can commit ourselves to God's very good design and we can encourage the folks in our lives to do the same. Perhaps you found some of what I've said here a little controversial or you're not quite sure about it. If you have comments or questions, I'd love to talk with you more about this. I would love to. Or perhaps, you know, perhaps you, you, you're thinking, actually, I'd like to talk to a woman about this. I can, I, can help, um, you, I can help set up that conversation as well. Perhaps you're a young woman or, and you're thinking, I, I, I've got a bunch of questions about what this is supposed to look like. I, I can help um, set up that conversation for you as well. If you have any questions, again, I've already said my email. I'll say it again, pastorsteveron at gmail.com. I'll be glad to try to um, discuss this with you and, and help however I can. And then the next week, we're going to try to debunk a few of the most common myths about abortion. We're going to try to be ready for some of the trickier conversations we might find ourselves in. And until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.